on this episode of the Best of Bias podcast, you got your boy. And it's time. And it's time. It really is for another episode of the Best of Bias podcast. It's Friday. You made it. You know what I'm saying? I say it every week. You made it because it's an accomplishment to make it to Friday. Everybody don't wake up in the morning, you know what I'm saying? And everybody don't got a job. And everybody don't got a, a Friday to look forward to, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, let's just thank ourselves for making it a Friday. And let's get into this episode of the Best of Bias podcast on this episode. We got a bunch of topics today, mostly Cinema Corner. We have a lot of Cinema Corner today. I've watched a lot of stuff over the past weekend, past week. So I want to talk about that for you. Not too much sports, not too much pop culture, but I do have some topics there. Um, some athletes got paid. Uh, Bronny James, cardiac arrest at his summer practice for USC. Um, the government admits to having aliens and having contact with aliens. Um, what else? We have Gilly the Kid's son passes away to gun violence. Um, Bow Wow scams a ten uh, scams a ten year old out of three thousand dollars, and then we have a bunch of movie reviews. Um, Barbenheimer, Barbenheimer, Barbenheimer was crazy in the box office this weekend. We had a crazy box office, one of the biggest in box office history for the movies with Barbie and Oppenheimer both coming out last, this last weekend. Um, I saw Oppenheimer. I'll talk about Oppenheimer for y'all. Um, they cloned Tyrone dropped last week on Friday, um, right after we dropped the last episode, the new Jamie Foxx and John Boyega movie on Netflix. Talk about that. And of course, Secret Invasion episode six. It was the finale. This It was the finale this week. So we got a lot to talk about in the cinema corner um, area, but we'll get through the sports and the pop culture fast. So we have plenty of time to talk about that. Um, we'll try to get here under an hour, you know, it won't be too long, but there's a lot of stuff we got in this episode. Welcome, it's Friday. Um, no no long talking. We got a, a Travis Scott album dropping tonight. There's a lot of stuff going on, and you probably listened to it already. If it's Friday, drop Thursday night out here in the West Coast. Um, so you probably already heard it, vibing with it already. Um, we got a new album. There's a lot of stuff happening. It's exciting times. It's the weekend. It's still summer. You know what I'm saying? It's the Best of Bias podcast. Thank you for being here. You know the raps. You know all the shit. It's the Best of Bias. So where that theme song at? Let's get right to the pod. Yeah. It's the best of, best of bias. You need to hear for, you should try us. From pop culture to the movies to unite us. It's the best of, best of bias. Your best of bias. It's the best of bias. You are now listening to the Best of Bias podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in, everybody. It's your favorite podcast host, like the Elder Nero in the building. Bang, bang, bang. It's Friday, baby. You guys made it, man. I, I thought I'd never come. You know, I thought, well, I thought it never come, man. It's been a long week. Um, I'm happy to have made it. It's been a marathon, but we made it, man. Let's get a high five. Everybody out there, audio listeners, let's get a, a, a collective sigh. Just let your hair down. You know what I'm saying? Take a deep breath. Let's get to this Best of Bias podcast, your favorite podcast in the world. You already know. You already know. Um, if you're watching on podcast, don't forget to hit the like button, hit the bell as well, so you know when all the podcasts come out. Um, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to AK again for making this video possible. I don't thank him enough for making these videos as special as they as, as they are and bringing the audio. And, well, I do the audio, but, you know, the video, the visual side of it. I know a lot of you guys watch visually. 
without him putting all this together, you know, a lot of you guys wouldn't see the podcast. So I, I'm very thankful for him, AKA for uh, contributing as much as he can. Um, Cause you know, we ain't big time yet. You know what I'm saying? So there's not a lot of money going around and we're trying to do what we can with the limited team we got, but AKA has been around since the beginning, holding it down. Um, first member of best of bias media. And when we blow up, you know what I'm saying? I will not forget it. You know what I'm saying? But Enough for the mushy stuff. It's Friday again. Um, hope your mental health is good. First and foremost, hope everybody is doing well before we get into anything. Just again, with the breath, breathe, let your hair down, let's meditate together. In and then out. You know what I'm saying? One more time, in and then out. You know what I'm saying? Because health is wealth. Um, you know what I'm saying? This is something that's supposed to ease your mind, mend your mind. And, you know, I want to be a, a blessing to everybody, not a hindrance. You just got to feel like you're obligated to listen. Nah, this is something you want to listen to because it gives you your therapeutic release from the week. But anyways, let's get into these topics because I got a lot to talk about. Starting with Bronny James, man. Prayers out to the uh, the James family, especially Bronny James. Um, went into cardiac arrest um, at a practice out there in USC, practicing for the summer, getting ready for the basketball season. He will be an incoming freshman to USC this year. Um, and the news came out, I believe, maybe what's today? I'm recording this on Thursday. So I think the news may have come out, came out Tuesday or Wednesday that this happened to him. I um, mean, it's really unexpected, man. Um, everybody expected him to go into this season, especially celebrities, celebrities of LeBron James caliber. You feel like a lot of these celebrities are bulletproof and nothing really ever happens to these caliber guys. And you would never expect anything of this nature to happen to somebody so young and athletic and healthy, you know what I mean? Especially Bronny James. But, you know, the body is weird, you know what I'm saying? The freak stuff happens like this all the time. Uh, we don't know if he had any underlying health conditions or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, it's a scary thing to happen, especially to go into cardiac arrest because that's really close to dying. We saw the... Uh, um, situation with DeMar Hamlin in an actual football game, but for this to happen at practice and probably indoor non-contact type of thing is really scary. Um, a lot of prayers are going out to that family. Of course, we know, and we were looking forward to Brandon James prospering and succeeding his uh, father, you know what I'm saying? Potentially in the NBA and doing great. So there's a high, you know, a high future um, for this kid. And we hope that he's okay. Um, we did hear that he's in stable condition at the hospital. Um, and recently I heard um, the recent check-in, I saw that he checked out the hospital. Um, but I'm hoping that he's okay and re can recover and go back to practice. I know health is way more important than sports, but he's been working his whole life and he has a reputation that is probably weighing him down and been on his back, pressuring him his whole life. So he wants to, I know he wants to be out there as well, but health is, again, wealth and health is first. Um, so hopefully he gets better and is able to go out there and just, you know, get back to basketball playing at the same level he was. Um, we'll give you more updates as more updates come. Um, maybe, I don't know, their privacy is their privacy. Who, What kind of privacy does LeBron James really have in his family? Because everybody's all in his business. But LeBron put out a statement and thanked everybody for their well wishes. And we're just hoping LeBron James and his family and Bronny James can just come out of this super positive and just get back on track. I know people as athletes of fans of other teams kind of hate on LeBron James and don't really want to see him do well and don't care about LeBron James and anything like that. But in this situation, your humanity has to really kick in because what if it was your son in this situation, um, any of your family members in this situation? Um, you know what I'm saying? I'm praying for the family definitely and hoping that everything turns out perfectly for them and they can get back to ball and they can get back to, you know, being the center of the basketball universe. Cause that family kind of is. And, um, you know, once LeBron James goes, I don't know who else is going to be there to be the face of our league. So, I mean, Jokic, Steph Curry, the older players are getting older and they're going to phase out of the league soon. So 
we need our future. And of course, I mean, I'm not, not selfishly saying we want to be healthy just to play basketball, but you know, Ronnie James is important to, you know, the, the world, everybody's important, but you guys know what I'm trying to say, but we'll get back to that story when we get some more details, but that is kind of crazy to actually hear out of nowhere, 18 year old kid, if he's 18, you know what I'm saying? It's just, I don't know what's going on nowadays. A lot of young people are getting these kind of uh, diseases and ailments that older people usually get back in the days. So, you know, it's just interesting blood clots and, and, and cardiac arrest and heart problems really young. It's just kind of crazy to see. Um, is it the food that we're eating? Is it, you know, what are we doing to make our younger people go through stuff like this? You know what I'm saying? Kind of interesting to think about. Uh, but moving on, talk about athletes. A bunch of athletes got paid, man. Uh, football, basketball. I know we talked last week about um, the running backs not really getting paid, but shoot, every other position and every other player, well, basketball players is getting that bread. Uh, Jalen Brown, starting with him, just got the biggest contract in NBA history, five years, $304 million. Um, congratulations, brother. I'm a big Jalen Brown fan. Uh, excuse me. It's really controversial, I guess, because people didn't really think that Jalen Brown as a player should be paid as the best player, you know, the highest play, paid player in the NBA. Um, but, you know, it's not really about players, um, how good the players are all the time. You know, it's the value they bring to the certain team they're on, the team they got drafted to, and the team that can't offer them the supermax, you know, the loyalty that that team has to that player. You know what I mean? Jalen Brown has been holding it down um, for a while. Uh, the Celtics have been to a number of NBA, you know, conference finals. I know that. I think they've been to a couple of finals as well. Um, especially as, you know, and he's young, about 23, 24 years old, maybe 25. Uh, Jason Tatum, they know they have a young core now. They just got Porzingis, um, and they have to lock some stuff down there. And there was kind of whispers of Jalen Brown wanting to be traded or trying to get out of uh, Boston. Um, but this deal solidifies him there and just lets people know um, that he's there to stay. Uh, he had an interesting thing to say when he was asked about his new contract and his money. And he said he wants to put his money back into the community of Boston and uh, bring in Black Wall Street to Boston. Um, we know that Boston's predominantly a white area. And we hear a lot about racism when it comes to the Boston Celtics, when it comes to their fans and just the, this area in general. There's a lot of racism out there. Um, Jalen Brown, with this newfound money and newfound wealth, uh, generational wealth, he says he wants to try to close that uh, wage gap disparity, especially between minorities and white people, just the people in Boston altogether, um, increase the Black dollars there and just kind of like do what he can to bring the economy in Boston, especially for the minorities that live there that aren't really well represented, uh, represented, excuse me. Um, they're going to try to bring the dollar to them and help them expand and, you know, just help the economy grow in Boston. He, he wanted to make it clear that he's not trying to take away for any, from any of his white counterparts or discredit any of his white counterparts, but he just wants to try to make it a, a more even playing field for the minorities that do live in the Boston area. And with that money, he can help do that. And he wants to start programs and just kind of help increase the awareness of how he can kind of uh, decrease that wealth gap. You know what I mean? And I think that's brilliant. You know what I'm saying? It's not just a man out here um, just giving a bunch of millions of dollars who, you, who the general public kind of thinks he's going to go out there and just spend it on money and cars and whatever. Um, this man's actually going out here and doing something positive with his money. He's really well-spoken in what he wanted to do. And I think that was really impressive. Um, out of all the people that are on this list that are getting a whole bunch of money, um, I don't know. Talk is cheap, but shoot, the way you put it, if you can go watch the video, watch the clip yourself, um, it looks like he has a good head on his shoulders. He went to Cal. Um, so maybe he 
you know, through his studies there, he's always wanted to do this. And with this opportunity and with him getting this money, he can really put that into action. So I'm interested to see that. Uh, good on you, young man. Jalen Brown, congratulations. Again, it was uh, five years, 304 million. My boy, Justin Herbert, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the Chargers with the LA Chargers just got a five-year, $262.5 million deal uh, with the Chargers becoming the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Um, that quarterback market is so crazy, man. It's just you know, when you think about other positions and how they want to be paid, it's like, I understand you have to pay your quarterback hella money, but people are arguing and positional players are arguing just trying to get two or three more million dollars on their contract. And when you hear all these absorbent amounts of money, the quarterback's getting $262 million. It's like, can you just take $3 million off that contract and just give it to the running backs and he'll be happy. And you can even, you know, it's just like, if not, you know, the quarterback won't be the highest paid quarterback in the market and he won't reset the market. And I just feel like you don't have to have the highest number. Um, it's okay to be paid less so the team around you can be better and everybody can be happy on the team to establish the ultimate goal. I'm happy for Justin Herbert because that's my guy out of Oregon. You guys already know that. I talk about that all the time, but I don't know, man. I feel like there's money to give these other players that are asking for more money, these players that have been so good over the years that are just sitting there in free agency um, and they're asking for one or two, three more million dollars that you're able to uh, get together and just throw out a quarterback multi hundreds of million dollars with like, <laughs> with like a hundred, like almost all of it guaranteed at this time. It's like, damn, it is kind of a slap in the face because though, again, we talked about quarterbacks is like one of the main positions that helps the team go. It's like the running backs and receivers and everybody else around the team helps the team go as well. Um, I don't know. It shouldn't be such a big disparity uh, because you you have a team sport and you don't want to cause division. And a lot of this money stuff is probably one of the biggest things that would cause division on a professional sports team. And the more public this stuff is and the more of a disparity you see in this money that's given between these players and these positionals, man, the resentment's going to grow. And I, don't, I, don't know, I don't care how good the quarterbacks are, how nice of a people, guys, the quarterbacks are. Everybody's in that locker room and they see it and they hear it on TV and it's feel like it needs to get a little bit more even. It doesn't have to be like exactly even because I, I get it. Positions have more positional value on the football field, but just like the average payment, again, we talked about for the, for the running backs is like one point something million dollars. You're giving these, the, the, I don't know, just the highest paid quarterback right now is getting paid what? $262.5 million opposed to a Christian McCaffrey contract. That's like what that's like, I don't know how much it is a year when you break it down, but the highest paid running backs probably getting paid like 16 million at most. And that's Christian McCaffrey. It's just, it's just a crazy way to look at it, but other payments that came out this week, uh, Tavon Diggs, I think it was, is it Tavon? What's the cornerback's name? It's Tavon. Uh, anyways, Diggs, the cornerback from the Cowboys, five years, $97 million, almost 60 of it guaranteed or some shit like that with incentives to put it over that. It's just like, man, these boys is getting paid so much money. And for them to sit there and tell Dalvin Cook they ain't got no money for him, tell D-Hop they ain't got no money for him, to tell uh, Kareem Hunt, to tell all these players out there they ain't got two, three million dollars and they're paying these contracts to these guys that are they're good. You feel me? But it's like they're football is a, is, is, is a sport where you're good in flashes. I guess you pay the player while they're good now, but you can be good two years prior and then two years past and you're not nowhere near the same player. Now this player is sitting on all this money and making your team bad. Now you got a whole, yeah, I don't know. 
it, it's just not always what it's cracked up to be. I feel like players need to get their money, and I, and I like that, you know. But just the players you choose to give a whole bunch of money that you feel like you're in jeopardy of losing, um, it seems to be spread around a little bit. Because five years, 97, I like Diggs. I like Diggs a lot. But, man, I don't think nobody – I think that has to be the highest-paid corner. Five years, $97 million, until Sauce Garner's contract comes up. But that's wow. But congratulations. I mean, all those NBA players were getting paid in the free agency period. Um, the NFL players, a lot of people are re-upping their contracts now. Um, Joe Burrow um, is probably going to be the next quarterback down the pike to get a super contract, just like Justin Herbert did. Uh, but he did just hurt himself. I mean, he, he was on the podium talking about the contract's going to happen when it's going to happen right now. We just want to spread the money around the team so that the team could put me in the best position to be successful and my teammates get taken care of as well. Um, but it just so happens today at practice, training camp did open, which we're going to get into right now with these NFL updates. Um, he looked like he strained his calf. It was non-contact injury. He was rolling out, and he just kind of went down. Uh, people are saying it may be a calf strain, but it looked Achilles-ish to me. Uh, I don't want to hope for the best because, uh, you know, I'm a Joe Burrow fan, and I was actually going to pick him in fantasy this year um, if he fell to me in a certain position. If I got chased in the first round or something, I was going to stack it up with Joe Burrow, so I'm going to have that stack, you feel me? Kind of thinking ahead. But it does look like he's going to miss some time. Um, and he's been sacked a lot over the past couple of years, and he already had a knee injury. So Joe Burrow is one of those situations where um, we'll see if the team is really going to be loyal to him or is this, if the injury is actually going to be serious because, again, he was the next guy to uh, potentially get paid that super contract. Um, Aaron Rodgers on the opposite side, though, took a $35 million pay cut um, from the Jets and restructured his deal um, for another two years. Um, and it was like 70-something million dollars. He restructured his deal just so um, the Jets can put some pieces around him. He's starting to realize now that um, the Jets could really have something this year, um, starting training camp and getting in the offseason program. He's starting to realize that there's some free agents out there that can be called in to solidify this Jets team that could take them over the top. Um, they have a pretty tough schedule to start off, um, and they're in a the tough division as well. So. Shoot, I mean, it's only right that Aaron Rodgers makes a couple of sacrifices to kind of try to better his name. In the last couple of years, his name has kind of been some dirt thrown on it, whether it be about his political beliefs or his just standing with the Green Bay Packers. Um, now he's in a fresh situation with fresh receivers, got a lot of stuff that he wanted. His line's not the best, but his defense is phenomenal. phenomenal. People on the defense are getting paid. Um, Quentin Williams got paid a whole bunch of money, like $96 million um, total in his contract. So, the Jets are looking good on paper. Um, you know, he wants to join the trend of, you know, Tom Brady going to the Bucks, winning the Super Bowl his first year. Matthew Stafford going to the Rams, uh, winning the Super Bowl their first year. Just going to a ready team that's ready to make that next step and just need that quarterback to take them to the next step. So we'll see what happens. They're going to be on hard knocks. Again, like I said, the Bucks play them week two in the preseason. So you're going to see the Bucks week. Uh, and we practice with them as well. So we're going to see the Bucks practice with the Jets. So we'll see what's going to happen. You know, Baker Mayfield out there practicing with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to see what's going on. It's going to be interesting. Um, but I thought that was cool. Um, the Jets could be serious contenders this year. Aaron Rodgers might be a sleeper quarterback that I might take in fantasy as well, because last year, again, he didn't have the best year. So this is a resurgence year. And he said he's not, you know, how he's feeling out there at training camp. He's not ready to hang it up yet after this year either. So we'll see what he does. He's, is he feeling rejuvenated? Who knows? We'll see. Again, uh, talk a little bit about the Joe Burrow injury already. Uh, we'll see what's good with that because that has major effects 
on, I mean, fantasy-wise, if you guys are playing fantasy, I'm going to get into the fantasy talk a little bit. Um, but fantasy-wise, that affects Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Um, I, that positively probably affects Joe Mixon if he can't run um, right away in the season because it's a lot of handoffs that are probably going to happen. Uh, you know, it really does affect taking Jamar Chase one or two if you're thinking about that in the PPR league because, you know, without Joe Burrow, who knows how much, you know, the Jamar Chase is going to get the ball because, um, you know, the LSU connection that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase already had. Um, and if you got, you know, a replacement in there, of course, Jamar Chase is the number one receiver, but the report that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase has is going to be replicated, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Um but yeah, um, I still would take. A, I have the Bengals. I'm taking some stock in. Hopefully, again, the injury is not as bad. Maybe it's the calf strain, and they'll just be sitting out preseason, which he should have been anyways, and just be ready to go week one. But if it's worse than that, I just feel sorry for Joe Burrow because again, this is not his first injury. Um, but again, okay, an update with Saquon. Um, we're talking about how he wasn't signing him, and Brandon Jacobs were two of the biggest proponents of the running backs and not really signing, ready to go to camp because of a lot of the stuff that was going on in camp and them not paying running backs as much as they felt like they deserve to be paid. Um, Brandon, uh, Josh Jacobs, for example, was ready to sign the franchise tag with the Raiders, but he thought they would be able to get something done. Um, and he felt kind of disrespected. So he decided not to sign the franchise tag yet. And he could hold out for longer, but on the other side, uh, Saquon Barkley was also talking about possibly holding out as well. Um, because he didn't want to sign the franchise tag with just $10 million on the franchise tag with no kind of longevity and no promise of being able to sign a long-term term contract next year because of, um, you know, just how stuff was going. They're supposed to be having, uh, after the year he had last year, um, they're supposed to have a contract on the table for him this year, and they kind of lowballed him with the franchise tag. And he kind of realizes now that if he sits out, they can still franchise tag him next year. So he might as well go out there and just try to prove something to the team and just prove that he does deserve that next contract. So they did give him $11 million instead of the 10 with the franchise tag which some incentives can help him get up to $12 million this next season instead of just $10 million for that franchise tag. So, uh, I mean, it's to me, it seems kind of like crossing the picket lines in a way. Um, a lot of these running backs that are actually join in the calls and are in cahoots with uh, Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler and uh, Saquon Barkley are signed, but not past 2025. So they're trying, they're kind of trying to, get the word out there and just get stuff made for the future. Um, Saquon signs for this year and hopefully they can do right by him and give him the contract next year. But we'll see what happens, man. Again, these running backs. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of kids and a lot of people that play football get talked out of playing running back because they are kind of doing them dirty, but training camp is opening. Hope everybody's ready for football. Uh, shoot. We get this insight on all the teams, get a little, preview what we're going to see this season, who we're going to pick up for fantasy. Again, the best of bias fantasy invitational 2023 is about to start. Everybody be ready. If you're listening now, be ready. September 2nd, everybody already confirmed with me to be at the live draft party. We're going to get shit popping. We got to vote on if we're going to get a championship belt or a trophy. Uh, John's bringing the last place toilet trophy. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully you're not getting last place this year, John, so we can uh, get rid of that for you. But it's going to be fun. Again, um, I'm happy everybody got able to confirm and be in the building so you can talk about rules and all that nonsense so nothing gets messed up this year. No complaining, uh, no confusion. 
have some good food, good company, play some beer pong. Haven't played beer pong in a while. And just have some, have a good time. Last year, we didn't have many people show up, but this year, we're going to have it turn $100 buy-in this year. I know some of y'all may play the big pots out there, but $100 is big for us. Last year, we did 50 um, Tay won last year, so we're ready to see who's going to win this year. Everybody bring it. Everybody be ready. I'm excited. Um, this group of people is really close to me. Uh, it's like our third or fourth year, maybe even fifth year of doing this, the core group of people that are in this in this league. So uh, thank you guys for sticking around. Thank you guys for uh, being great you know, people to play with in fantasy keep coming back every year. And again, hopefully we can get some players to get on the pod and talk about their weeks. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it, it does seem pretty cool. I might start, I might steal some uh, rules and regulations from other leagues that I hear about. And we're going to bring that to the league potentially and just see, uh, just see how it can go. There's a lot of potential for it, growth and a lot of potential to make some money, side bets and all kind of stuff like that. So fantasy football season's here. Um, almost just basically one month for us until our drafts. We'll get all this preseason stuff out of the way because with the Joe Burrow injury, uh, Jalen Ramsey uh, also got hurt. Um, I forgot exactly what he hurt, but he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Man, Excuse me, with the injury to his lower body i want to say it was so you know how that can go in training camp too first day of training camp so you have to find your balance out there man of how hard you want to work and just weigh out that you know because they 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 gave up a lot of stuff to get Jalen ramsey out there in miami for him not to be ready week one and for that defense not be ready to compete in the hard division it's gonna be tough for him so again fantasy best of bias invitational 2023 um, you'll get some stuff on and Instagram live as well. Probably get some of the, uh, some of the draft on live. So uh, the fans can actually see it go down as well. Um, that's it. Cause it's really interesting. We do some good stuff. We got some really good drafters. We got some really good people. Um, everybody's almost, you know, almost everybody in the group has been a champion at one point within our group or with somebody else's group. So there's a lot of, a bunch of dudes in here that are ready to go. So let's get it. May the best man win. And as we get closer, we'll keep ramping up the talks. We do weekly reviews and all that stuff. You guys already know about that. But let's get into some of this pop culture. Moving on, moving on, because we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, the government admits to possession of aliens and no uh, alien crafts and, and alien DNA, I guess, alien species, alien bodies. Um, I was watching and looking through the social medias as of recent and we ran across this 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 story, House Subcommittee hearing. Um, this guy named David Gurch was talking. He was a ex member of the U.S. intelligence agent, uh, U.S. ex U.S. intelligence agent from the UAP task force, which I guess uh, monitors uh, unidentified flying crafts and studies like findings they get from aliens and stuff. You can't really talk about it on the surface. You know, how these guys are kind of secret is I know about stuff, but I can't mention it in front of everybody. Cause this is, you know, I can't speak about it out loud because I'm not, you know, I'm not giving the credentials. So, you know, the, you know, the wording to these guys, but basically if you're on, been on social media, if you've been on Twitter, if you've been on Instagram, if you've been on TikTok, you've seen it. This lady's asking this guy, David, about, um, to your knowledge, does the U.S. Um, the U.S. government know of the, you know, the existence of identified, unidentified flying objects? And he's like, yes, we are aware of those, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, in these objects, have you guys find not found non-human remains? 
And he was like, yes, I can, as stated, and blah, 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 blah. I have seen um, non-human remains in there. Um, and she's like, does the government know uh, of these remains? Does he know, can they identify? Have they further research, stuff like that? And he just kind of went into, no, we can't discuss that mode. You know, the typical, typical shit that we hear, man. Sometimes we just want a straight answer to hear. Are these things real? Does the government know about it? I mean, just tell us where we are as far as compared to movies. You know what I mean? Because me personally, I also, I definitely believe in aliens as far as stuff not from this world existing out there in the galaxy um, and could have made it to Earth and just popped in here, didn't know what was going on, maybe died once they hit the atmosphere or Kane took, you know, take a, took a peek and it dipped off. It's possible. I mean, they don't tell us everything they do in the, inter in, in the government or everything that they see in the airspace. And when they do, I mean, it always kind of sounds outlandish anyways, and we never believe it. So I don't know. I don't know where I stand as far as aliens blatantly existing out front of us. And we just don't, us as humans can't comprehend it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I personally, as a human, as as Patrick, as Lydell, you know what I'm saying? I kind of try to stay in my own lane, mind my, my own business. I mean, the information is definitely key. If there's aliens out there, higher intelligence out there, you know what I'm saying, that, that want to cause us harm, that are looking to hurt us, I get it. Um, government, do what you got to do to protect us. You shot some stuff down. If you're keeping this a secret for the safety of the U.S. public, I get it. But if something we need to know that we can help defend ourselves from being probed or anything negative from these guys, let us know. If it's all positive, if these guys just want to drink beer, smoke weed, hang out, play video games and shit like that, and you just hiding them from us because they're too cool, we ain't ready for those cool-ass motherfuckers to hang out with, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is either. But just let us know something. Is it something we need to be scared of? Is it something that looks crazy if we saw it, we'd be freaked out? Is it something that is just like maybe a plant? A little plant that came out of somewhere that you guys are like, this is some some species that we've never seen in America before. We can't identify it. Just let us know. Don't 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 vaguely say, yes, we found some stuff. Yes, we found crafts, but we can't talk about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes these are some of those things that I know RIP to the people in the submarine as well, to the Ocean Gate stuff that politics just go out there and just throw out there to distract us from stuff that's really going on that may be happening in the government that are just trying to, you know, pull the wool over our eyes. Because, I mean, if you believe that there's aliens and they existed, then you believe. This right here, I don't think is necessarily further evidence that they exist. I think it's just more hollabaloo because they could, of course, they could be playing with wording. You know what I'm saying? It could be unidentified because we don't know what it is. And then a substance in it that we don't know exactly what it is. It's not human. So we're just going to consider it alien just to kind of poke up our antennas to get us interested in this and just kind of distract by distract from some bullshit that's happening in the government. You know, uh, there's a bunch of shit that's happening right now. Elections and uh, trials and um, uh, rule or laws being changed and shit like that. That's more important. That's happening under wraps. But they throw us the aliens are real. The, the aliens are real line to try to get our attention, man. It seems like that because, yeah, I, I just feel like we never know nowadays. All these videos could be doctored. Um, I, I just feel like them telling us they exist don't really doesn't really move me at all. Yeah, I kind of feel like there's always been stuff that existed. You know what I'm saying? Steph Curry exists. I feel like he's an alien. <laughs>
not in the front, not in the, he's not from this world. The things that he does can't be done by the average man. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, and if they were walking amongst this already, like some scroll type shit, I don't think you should uh, invoke any, 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 uh, you know, worry in them anyways. They could do some crazy shit to us. You know, so let them live in peace. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know. I'm not ready for the realization of aliens yet because, man, the world's not ready for it. We can't even figure each other out, right? Uh, I just can imagine what would happen if the world figured out there was aliens. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> what do you guys think? Do you guys believe Mr. David Gersh? Gershish, G-R-U-S-C-H. That, that's fucking me up. Grush. Whatever. Do you believe this guy or do you think he's full of shit or do you think he was just... He looks kind of like one of those guys that's high strung who, you know, told a liar to in his life. But then again, all those people that do have to hold government secrets and shit that work for these agencies are hella like weird and high strung too. Because they kind of have to be. You know what I'm saying? They live on edge. They don't know when they're going to get capped or people think they're dangerous for giving away information that he's actually doing now. So maybe, yeah, he might maybe... The government might be out to get in for giving away secrets or I mean, maybe they want you to know these secrets so they can distract from something else. I don't know. You know, Lydell, not that political. I'm speaking in third person right now, so I ain't going to jump into it that deep. But do you guys believe that there's aliens out there? Do you think they exist? Yes or no? Hit me up in the comments. Let me know. And then we can talk more about it. Gilly the son, uh, Gilly the kid's son passing away. RIP, man. Uh, this is where we get a little somber, um, especially for Gilly, man, because Gilly the kid and wallow um they are two people that are in the streets with the people um that are in the hood kind of trying to preach uh a different way to teach people to put the guns down teach peace and positivity um especially in rap culture um letting people know that even though they're in the rap game and doing the rap thing they don't have to portray the negative stereotypes uh once they're in the rap game and out of the streets you don't have to be in the streets you can get away from that you know lifestyle and put the guns down and i think personally us as black men hispanic men asian men any races that are out here that are living in this hip-hop culture um we need to just learn to stop killing each other man find a better way put a spin on the music that doesn't influence that i know the music's not putting guns in people's hands but it always kind of kind of circle back to the same hip hop culture um, and just just gun culture, gang violence and gang culture in general. Um, I don't know if you can clean up gang culture, but it just seems like that there's too many people dying in ways, people's sons, kids, daughters are just being taken away from us over stuff that's so petty um, that could be solved in way other ways. It shouldn't be the first thing to do to take somebody's life when there's disagreements, there is strife, when there is, you know, you're doing, you're struggling, you are down and out. You want to go out there and rob somebody and then you get scared when you're robbing somebody and you shoot them or, I don't know. I just feel like taking a life shouldn't be so regular and such a, you know, I don't know, a firsthand account, you know, if that's the right thing to say in our culture. I just feel like a lot of the times people get shot in our culture as far as black culture, hip hop culture. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. This is what happens in these areas. It's a cycle that, that is kind of expected. And 
and it's not going to change. It's just perpetuated over and over and over. And though it does need to change, the stuff does need to change. Uh, the steps to change aren't there. We'll say we want stuff to change. We'll still rap about the same stuff, still talk about the same stuff, still perpetrate the same stuff that's holding us back and tearing us down. Um, I know we want to enjoy and like the stuff that we want to like. I know we, you know, shouldn't have to change who we are um, for other people to accept us for who we are. But I feel like it should be second nature to do so when you see the results are what they are. Um, I don't know. The rate of I hear about people getting killed in the streets or just being killed um, young to, to dumb shit, it, it's just ridiculous. And Wallow, and not to get too far from the point, Gilly and Wallow are people that, people of credence have noticed that have made money. I've been in the streets and made it out the streets that are credible. You know what I mean? That younger people should be listening to and they're trying their hardest to push that message. Um, and we're starting to see a lot of that. Um, a lot of the rappers out there nowadays are the bigger ones anyways, are trying to push positivity and push a new way of being a rapper, a new way of being rich in hip hop culture that always didn't involve um, beefing and talking about, how much money you got selling drugs. The girl rappers talk about their pussy and shaking ass. Excuse my language. I'm just saying. Um, we're trying to push for that new way. And I mean, I know there's going to be some hiccups and some bumps along the way, but to jump back as big as we've have lately, it's just kind of crazy. Um, it's at this point, it's like, what is it going to take for us to get through to this youth or change the ways of the older people that are still out there doing the same shit? Um, that we're trying to change, you know what I mean? So there has to be some kind of way. And if the ones that are the people that are closest to the people in the streets, um, their loved ones can't be protected or you can't have the grace to pick a different route. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the situation. Um, I don't even know if I mentioned it. Um, again, uh, Gilly Kid's son, um, I think his name, his rap name is YNG Cheese, was murdered. Um, shot killed in Philadelphia, 25 years old. Young boy, man. It's like, it's too regular, man. It's too regular. And it's just sad because it's just always like, okay, if you're a rapper, you have to be associated with being in the streets. I feel like it's not how it has to happen. I get it. You're Gilly the Kid's son. You already have some credit as it is, but I just feel like a lot of these rappers, I mean, I know they come from the streets and when they become rappers, they don't leave the streets. It's what they represent while they're rapping and it actually helps them. Um, and that's what people want to see. That's what these record labels like this, you know, just the violence and the, and the realness quote unquote of the hood life that you're like, portraying as a rapper. But I feel like rapping should really mostly be about the lyrical talent that you have. Um, and it is a talent so much so that people pay you money to do it and they pay money for you to see you rap and just portray that talent. So I feel like the gimmicks and stuff that come with being a rapper shouldn't really exist. I feel like they just exist because the money that is given to them to promote themselves this way and act this way from these other platforms. I mean, I wish they would pay more money for the positivity and just, you know, the, the creation, the creativity of the person, the individuality of the person and didn't just, you know, uh, praise the the hood and the drug dealing and the the stuff that makes rap rap. The stuff they like, the stuff the rappers that ha the stuff the rappers have to do for people to buy the records, to be interested in clicking on the videos, to be interested in the person 
they have to go for so far as to become something so negative and just get themselves in trouble. I, I don't know. I feel like rap, hip hop should be able to be a positive thing, just like pop, just like rock, just like blues, all this other stuff is portrayed as and all the culture that comes with hip hop. I just feel like it's full of negative connotations that could be changed. I mean, everybody loves hip hop. It's the number one genre, listen to genre in music and every genre kind of takes from hip hop. But when it comes to hip hop culture itself, it's just looked at so negatively and everything involved in there is so negative. I mean, there's so many positive things as well. Don't get me wrong. I love hip hop. You know what I'm saying? There's so many beautiful things about it. I love music. But it's just the negative stuff is the stuff that's glorified the most and looked at the most and talked about in the media the most. It's like, this is what entertains them. And it just, it just, it has to be another way. You know what I mean? Um, and again, prayers out to Gilly, prayers out to his family. Um, it's just tough, man. Balancing celebrity and being a real person is always tough. But when stuff like this hits, um, it's tough to try to keep that celebrity persona and just keep that strong face that everybody expects. You know what I'm saying? It's just like in these moments, you are a real person. You do have real feelings. And these people deserve that grace to express those feelings. But you know what I'm saying? Sometimes it is what it is. But I know he's going to be strong. I know Wallo got his back. And I know their family is going to get through this time and just, you know, you know, look on him and touch his, you know, touch his shoulder and just make them fight harder. I saw Wallow saying that though this happened and though they're in the streets out here trying to eliminate this violence and know this still happened, it's going to make him go harder. He's not going to stop trying. He's not going to give up or just give up on the streets and these youth and just feel like this is going to happen regardless. He's going to push harder to try to make changes so this will happen to nobody else's son. You know what I mean? And I respect that. And again, Shout out to Gilly. I know this is a tough time for him, a tough time for a lot of people in the world nowadays. Um, so prayers out to all those families and just hopefully things have changed for the better. Hopefully, again, hip hop culture and the, and the leaders of hip hop can make a change to where we can get it back on the right track. And just just a lot of these deaths and stuff and a lot of this violence just kind of goes down a lot. Um and sometimes it just sucks that a lot of these rappers and stuff have to go to jail for this, you know, and people have to be called out and, you know, people have to sit down for for things to change in the streets. Um, but I don't know. Hopefully we get better, man. I love you, pop And prayers out to everybody else out there. And shouts out to uh, Gilly's family and young RIP Young Cheese, YNG Cheese. Um. Lastly, here in the pop culture, before we get into this long cinema corner, uh, Bow Wow sued by 10-year-olds for stealing $3,000, basically, from him. Uh, yeah, this story, I don't know how true it is. And I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because we give Bow Wow a bad name in entertainment right now. Bow Wow, when we were young, he was the shit, man. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He was everywhere. He was the biggest star ever on 106, Mr. 106 in Park, all, all the movies, um just everywhere and um i don't know what happened along the years where everybody just made him the butt of all of our jokes um but this story here i think it's just adding to the list of jokes that they're trying to put on my boy bow wow um from him being broke and doing the the, the yacht and the, the private jet challenge people talking shit about him not really having money sitting in coach when he's just claiming to be on private jets or um, he gets mad at Jermaine Dupree over music, saying that he is like like one of the biggest artists ever and is bigger than somebody. And he's just usually the butt of jokes out here. Um, and for people to say now that he stole 
well, I don't want to say stole because that makes it sound crazy, but a 10-year-old reached out to Bow Wow for a verse. First of all, I don't know why a 10-year-old is reaching out to Bow Wow for a verse. And I guess he paid Bow Wow $3,000 for this verse. Again, $3,000 for a Bow Wow verse. Basically, I mean, first of all, again, 10-year-old, what kind of verse is this about to be from Bow Wow that you think that he's going to do it for $3,000? And it's probably excuse me, it's probably going to be the worst verse ever for $3,000. And that's how you knew he probably was going to take it. But after the 10-year-old gave him the money, uh, Bow Wow never responded, never gave him a verse, uh, never hollered at the kid again. So now the 10-year-old's parents are suing uh, Bow Wow for, I believe, $15,000 just because, you know, Bow Wow tried to run off on the plug, you know, take the kids $3,000 and leave them on stuck. So He's being sued now. Um, do you guys believe this story? I don't know if I believe this story. Again, I think it's just them trying to make fun of Bow Wow and just put him in the media's bad graces because he's been embarrassing himself um, a lot as of late. Um, I don't know why they choose to pick on the people they do in the media, um, but he's been the butt of a lot of jokes. And hopefully this isn't true um, because, first of all, it's a 10-year-old, bro. Why are you taking money from a 10-year-old? I know his parents are probably involved, but why do you say yes to doing something like this with no intentions of putting out a verse? You can't even give him a little a little eight? Not even an eight? Eight bars for him? That's crazy. Hopefully, again, this story, this one's a little fresh. You know, I posted it on Instagram today. Um, I, you know, I did a little research. I didn't dig too much into it. I didn't really want to put it on here because I don't put this on my boy Bow Wow like that. But yeah. Don't ghost the kid. Give him his money back. Now it's going to cost you $15,000. Hope y'all settle for some crazy, like some something in the middle, maybe like $7,000. It'll be give the kid his money back plus a little bit of cash. Probably be the most money that the kid ever had. Give him some studio time or something like that. And bro, if you need money, you know what I'm saying? At least do the work. You know what I'm saying? If times is bad like this, you're taking 3000 for a verse, but... If this is not happening, if this is a lie for some other kind of arrangements, you got to hold your shit together a little bit tighter because you got little kids calling you out in the media. So it's not a good look. But yeah, anyways, let's move on to Cinema Corner. This is stuff that everybody wants to hear about. This is mostly what I got for the episode. Um, I won't have it be too much longer, but I got a lot of stuff to talk about in the Cinema Corner. We got some new trailers to talk about. Again, um, review a little bit of Barbie in the box office for Oppenheimer. Um they clone Tyrone came out on Netflix and then we'll close it out with the secret invasion episode six review. So we'll get through the cinema corner nice and smooth. Um, I'm not going to rush through it, but you know, a lot of the stuff I'm not going to spend too much time talking about, but we're going to get through it smooth. It's the best of bias podcast. And we ain't even going to commercial. We're going to keep it going right here, right now. Hope y'all doing good. Oh yeah. And in sports, man, do not let me go through the sports we're talking about without talking about Bud Crawford and Earl Spence. That is tomorrow. If you're well, listening on Friday, I'm recording on Thursday. So it's on Saturday. Um, I didn't have AKA on here. I should have asked him last week what he expected for, uh, for the fight this week, but maybe I'll have him on next week to talk about it, but it's on this Saturday. Don't miss it. Two fighters that are, Oof, at the top of their game right now, Earl Spence is incredible. I watched a couple of his fights as well. Um, undefeated. Uh, Bud Crawford as well, undefeated. So somebody got to lose. Both of them braggadocious. Both of them hella good. I don't know, man. I'm not the biggest, you know, I, I watched the mixed martial arts and boxing. I'm starting to get into it a lot the last couple of years. So I haven't watched the, all of Earl Spence's fights. I've watched a lot of Bud Crawford fights. Um, 
But we're going to see. We're going to see who wins. I'm going to be in touch with this fight. I almost forgot, man, because I remember they put the promotion out hella, like, uh, suddenly, like, uh, only, like, a month away, like, last month, late June. And now it's time for the fight now, and I still didn't hear enough promotion for it. It's about to be this weekend. And this is, like, one of the biggest fights of the year, if not the biggest fight of the year. So I'm excited to see that. Sorry I brushed over that one. I was thinking about talking about it, but I didn't talk about it. But next week we'll really get into it. I'll ask AKA to be on here so we can talk about the fight. Um, we definitely got to talk about it. I'm gonna text him right now to get him in, uh, get him involved with that because that's just gonna be incredible. Um, I forgot who he said he actually thought was gonna win. Um, we have to re rewind those tapes and actually see. But if I'm gonna make a prediction, just so I have it out there, everybody's saying Earl, but I feel like Bud can do it. So I'm gonna go against the grain. I got Bud Crawford. Let me just call. I'm gonna say Bud Crawford right now. But I know Earl Earl Spence can win. I know he can, but I got Bud. I'm just gonna call Bud. If I'm wrong, I'm not gonna be mad. I'm not gonna put no money on it. I might, I might price picks. I might, I might. We'll see about you, but man, that fight's gonna be good. But anyway, Cinema Corner, starting with the boys uh Gen V trailer, Generation V. Um, new boys season. It's not gonna be a boys continuation. I think the season three was the last one. If I'm not mistaken, um, there's going to be a lot of prequels and spinoffs that have to do with the boys. And the first one is going to be called Gen V. Um, it's coming out September 29th. And it looked pretty good, man. It looked like the common boys type of action, the raunchy action that we expect from the boys. Um, it looks like a college slash high school situation. A bunch of kids with powers are coming there to kind of like try to realize and hone in on their powers. Um I don't know if there are the babies that were born through, you know, with the Gen V and stuff like that, that Vought was producing. And they all kind of like centralized them in one area to have them grow up and stuff like that. Because I do see a guy with the laser eyes. I remember the baby with the laser eyes that uh, Billy the Butcher was uh, shooting in one scene. But it looks pretty cool. Uh, one of the main girls can control her blood. Um, we kind of already saw that in Chainsaw Man with the blood devil. But, you know. Hey, gripes aside, looks like it's going to be cool. We saw somebody get punched through their body and there's a fish through their mouth. I didn't watch the Red Band trailer, so I know it's probably going to be really, really gruesome. We saw some crazy shit in the boys, like the craziest shit you can ever see on a TV show. So I expect nothing less from Gen, uh, Gen V. Um, but September 29th is pretty soon. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming that I'm really excited for. The Boys is one of my favorite shows when it was out on Amazon Prime. And I think it's probably one of their best performing shows uh, besides this next show I want to talk about soon. And I'm really cool. I'm ready to see it. Um, uh, I don't think any of the we see a train. We see uh, some of the people in the trailer, but I don't think they're actually going to be in the show unless it's a prequel, because a lot of stuff did go down in the boys season one, two and three. But I'm excited to see this one. Um, our, our superhero content. I mean, there's a lot of it, but the quality of it has really gone down. And the boys had uh, one of the best, in my opinion, quality superhero shows kind of off brand kind of off the Richter, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, besides uh, The Watchmen, I like The Watchmen a lot, uh, but this one also was pretty high up there on the list for me, just writing, action, and just the shit that they show you, just the off-kiltered, what if the superheroes were assholes type shit, and the, you know, and the regular people didn't like the heroes and can fight back type shit, that was, that was really cool. But to see this kind of version of it, I mean, I hope it's not too CW and gets kind of like high school drama E. And I hope it uh, still has the shock factor of the boys seasons one, two, and three. And I hope the powers are cool. The acting is good. So I have high hopes. Um, September 29th is when it comes out. Um, don't miss it. 
Next thing we got on the list, Invincible. If you guys watched Invincible, I think it was also Amazon Prime. One of the best animated series that I've seen thus far in my life. You know what I'm saying? If you saw season one, you already know what's going on. Omni-Man is back. Invincible is back. Um, we're going to see what happens in season two. We saw at the end of season one, uh, Invincible, Mark, I think is his name, almost got his ass whooped to a pulp by his dad. His dad had a second, uh, a, a second, what is it? A change in heart. And he flew off and just let Mark live. Um, he already killed all the people in their, uh, their version of the Justice League. What is it? The Wonder Squad or something like that. Killed all them. So second year, we're in the aftermath of that. I think we're seeing Mark just kind of training just in case Omni-Man comes back and he has to uh, defend himself from Omni-Man again and not get beaten to a pulp like he did this um, in first season. Steven Yun, uh, Glenn from uh, from uh, Walking Dead. And if you watch Beef, he's also in that. He's in a lot of stuff, but Steven Yun. Yeah, he's doing great and as as mark and i keep i hope it's mark because i keep saying that as invincible in this series um the cast is crazy um, a whole bunch of people in this and i can't i can't wait for it because this season one i was just mouth wide open for the shit that they showed i've never seen any animation that showed so much violence that uh jumped off the pages and kind of portrayed a, a comic book the way it actually did. Um, they didn't hold back at all. And season two is coming out uh, not until November 3rd. And the way they're doing it is they're going to uh, release it in four episodes altogether. And then they're going to take a break and probably release the rest of it uh, sometime later in the year. Um, they know with the writer strike and everything like that, there's going to be a lull of things to watch and things that they're going to be able to put out in the future. So I feel like this way they're kind of strategizing for that. And they know that the want for the invincible is so high that they can give you this four and shit's going to go down in the first four so much that they can have you waiting and you'll be ready and okay with waiting for the next four or five episodes, how many ever they're going to give you, but invincible to November 3rd, um, we got the trailer for that. Hopefully you guys saw that. And for Gen V, just two series that, you know, shows that we watched The Boys and Invincible um, last summer, la where, whenever they came out. Um, they're cult classics, instant classics. So for spinoffs and new seasons, for those to come out, it's really exciting. I'm excited for it. Um, but yeah, moving on to Barbenheimer, man. Last weekend, the box office was flooded. We had two movies coming out that were highly anticipated. One being Barbie, you know, Mattel's toy doll, the Barbie, Barbie and Ken. And then we had Oppenheimer, um, kind of like a bio biopic of, um, uh, what was his name? Robert Oppenheimer, pretty much the creator of the atom bomb. Um, this weekend or the weekend was supposed to be super hyped up. I didn't really know people were really into Barbie like that. Um, people, I knew people wanted to see Oppenheimer just because it was a Christopher Nolan movie. Um, he usually drops at the end of July, these big blockbuster films that everybody was used to, that everybody went to go see, but we were not expecting, we're not expecting at all the turnout that we had and that we got in the box office for Barbie. Um, the box office and the movie theaters were flooded with pink. Um, Barbie did $337 million opening weekend worldwide. Oppenheimer did $174 million. Barbie did $155 million domestically, with $70.5 million being day one of the opening, Thursday, Friday-ish. Uh, it was the biggest opening, day one opening in uh, movie history. 
Oppenheimer did uh, 80 million domestically the first weekend. Um, Barbie's budget was $145 million. They did that domestically the first weekend. Biggest opening movie for Margot Robbie, biggest movie opening for Ryan Gosling, biggest opening for a comedy uh, film debut, uh, biggest opening for a woman director, Greta Hartwig, fourth biggest box open uh, box office opening combined for Oppenheimer and Barbie, um, fourth behind pretty much Endgame, Infinity War, and Star Wars and stuff like that. Um, it was crazy, man. Um, ultimately, I mean, you couldn't hurt. I mean, I think they both promoted each other. Um, the hype of what movie would do better, the hype of both movies being in theaters at the same time, both fan bases being at the theater, just made a whole new theater buzz that haven't been there in a long time. Um, whatever movie you went to go see, just people being in the theaters and just seeing movies was incredible. Um, I haven't been in a movie where I went to the Sunday showing and I was still shoulder to shoulder with somebody seeing a movie. You know what I mean? I didn't see Barbie but I heard that a lot of people did see Barbie and the co the comedy in the movie wasn't for kids at all. It was pretty much for the people that grew up with Barbie that played with them back in the day. Um, the, they had adult jokes, um, Toy Story jokes, like a whole bunch of jokes that were for adults. So if you took your little kid to see it, they were bored in the movie and people did. And those kids were running around the movie theater and making a whole bunch of noise. But uh, people did like it. Um, ultimately, uh, the message in the movie was strong. Uh, a strong uh, female lead, a strong female message. Um, but still, if you were a Barbie fan, you hated Barbie, that's what they said the marketing was. If you hate Barbie, this is for you. If you love Barbie, this is for you. And I didn't expect it, man. Everybody wearing pink at the movie theaters. And it to sell the way it did sell, passing Mario, because uh, Mario did numbers its first, its first couple of weeks in theaters, and Barbie surpassed that. So I didn't expect it, man. I didn't expect, I didn't know Barbie had a grip on the culture like she did uh, barbie ken ryan gosling the cast was crazy um and mattel has a whole bunch of other movies coming out based on their toys as well so they cracked the code just like mario i said nintendo and them cracked the code they have a whole bunch of properties that they can put out to keep that kind of streak going mattel does two hot wheels um shit that's all i really know but they do have a whole bunch i, I was going to write them down but if you know Mattel, you know they have a whole bunch of toys on deck that they can make movies out of. Um, but, I mean, not right now because the writers and actors are on strike. But it's week 13 now, man. It's getting real. So I don't know how many movies and stuff we're going to see in the future or when we're going to see them um, because we got Netflix out there already trying to hire people and offering $900,000 uh, $900, a year to help generate AI to produce movies and uh, graphics and artwork and shit out there for Netflix and for the streaming services. So uh, we don't know how long the strike is going to last. And again, me personally, we talked about it, all these properties that are supposed to be coming out that I'm not going to be able to see because yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it is crazy, man. I, I, the writer's strike is crazy, but Barbie, I didn't see it yet. I will go see it to see what all the fuss is about. See if it was funny as everybody's, you know, was saying, um, it made a whole bunch of money and it's still making money going into Monday and Tuesday, breaking all kinds of records. So um, I am going to have to check it out. Just being the mo movie connoisseur, I am. I do have to check that out. But I did see Oppenheimer. Um, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I did see it in IMAX. Um, the sound was amazing. The sound was a little bit more than it needed to be, in my, in my opinion. Um, the movie was good. It gave a good history lesson about Robert Oppenheimer. Robert Oppenheimer pretty much gave a, a, a synopsis of his whole life, um, broke down everything about the man, 
his backstory, how he was with women, how he was, uh, he fraternized with the Communist Party, um, how he was this exciting physicist. And he was so into fi uh, fi uh, physics that once the idea of the atom bomb actually hit, he was just so, you know, academically excited about creating something that worked and protecting his country from foreign threats that he kind of forgot that what he's making can devastate a whole bunch of people and and actually did when they did drop two of the nuclear warheads or the atom bombs on uh, Japan. So we got to saw, see all that storytelling. It's, it definitely was a history lesson. Um, we get to see how the government actually picked him to uh, fund the program, the physics program to uh, figure out how to do all this. We see the teams, the scientists, they create a, a pop-up town for all the scientists to go and live to try to create the atom bomb. It, it's, it's a lot, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely a movie where you kind of have to be uh, one of those people who's interested, really, 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 really interested in movies and willing to sit through something very, very educational and very, very talky. There wasn't really much action that went on throughout the movie. It was really, really talky. It was like literally pretty much all talking. But and it was one of those movies where Chris Nolan kind of juxtaposed time. It would be like showing you stuff in the future, showing you stuff in the past, and then kind of intersected it all. And then at the end, there was a twist, and it explained the twist that happened and unraveled all of that. It was a lot. I mean, it was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. And it's going to win a lot of rewards for, again, probably its sound alone, its cast, its its score, the color, the 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 the, the shots. It was it had a crazy cast to name a couple uh, we had. Who was in there? Did I get him? Did I get him all done? Yeah, we got uh, Killian Murphy, who played Robert Oppenheimer, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh. Uh, we had Matt Affleck. A whole bunch of different people. If you if you can name an actor, a prominent actor right now, it was probably in the movie. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. did a great job, possibly going to win a Best Supporting Actor for his role um, because he did great. Emily Blunt did a great job in her role as well. Um, the movie was really good. Like I said, it was something, it was different. It was a change of pace for sure. Um, I haven't been in a movie. Avatar, it was three hours as well, but it was kind of action-packed, and they gave you a whole bunch of stuff scenically that kind of distracted you from how long the movie was. But this one, it kind of was like, okay, we're going to give you a whole bunch of information. Shit's going to be happening uh, nonstop. It's going to be... It's, you're dealing with bombs and chemistry and explosions, too, so we're going to give you the sound of what explosions, what plutonium possibly sounds like, what radiation sounds like. Like what the with these chemicals colliding together and making explosions and the sparks from the explosion and exploding stars and all this kind of like philosophical uh, thinky thinky stuff that if you weren't ready for that type of movie, then you would lose track really fast. The way I explain it, that if you're watching this movie at home and you had access to your cell phone and you had any kind of distractions from the movie, you can get lost easily and you, you could just lose it. Um, I think the experience of it being in movies and us having to be definitely kind of focused in on it gave, uh, it gave, gave me the benefit and the advantage of being focused in. 
Um, I don't know if I'll be able to go see it again. I know this movie was shot on special cameras that'll be able to fit like a 70 millimeter IMAX screen. So that's like the biggest film that there was ever created for like a movie or some shit like that. And it weighed like so many like hella pounds. And it was like 11 miles long on some weird shit like that. And they're only showing that in certain movie theaters and they're getting filled up really fast. So people are actually paying exorbitant amounts of money to actually still see Oppenheimer on 70, uh, big ass 70 inch screens or 70 millimeter screens. So, um, yeah, Oppenheimer is going to make some money. It wasn't able to make as much money as uh, Barbie because Barbie, I'm sure, was an easier watch. They had the backing of it being a toy from before. And this is is a pretty much Oppenheimer is a biopic and a pretty much a history lesson that was all talking the whole time. And again, don't get me wrong. It was a good movie. I really liked it. But it was a different type of movie. It wasn't the typical movie that everybody's going for right now. That's usually the big blockbusters in the theaters that are action packed and stuff's happening throughout that can keep you super engaged. And it's just super blockbuster, super actiony. I don't know. I, I, you know what I'm trying to say? You know what I'm trying to say? Oppenheimer's a little different. So if you're going to go see that, just kind of be ready uh, for the stuff you're going to have to endure. Uh, I actually was able to get through it. I have to get up and go to the bathroom hell of times. So and I'm actually proud of myself for that, but Everybody's not gonna be able to do that. Everybody's not a movie goer like me. I sat right in the middle, shoulder to shoulder with everybody, just posted up watching, didn't fall asleep at all. Um, proud of myself. But Open Armor is a good movie. I I do um suggest you go see it. It, it. it's it's a tough watch, but if you are again a movie goer um and you're looking for something cinematically that's beautiful, something you know, you'll learn something for sure. And uh, it'll give you insight on Robert Oppenheimer that you didn't know before. I can guarantee that. But yeah. Movies are great. Go see them both. They'll probably be killing it for the next couple of weeks. Um, if you're going to wait till they come to, you know, digital, I, I feel that too. But movies are good. I haven't seen Barbie, but I'm hearing good things about it. And Oppenheimer, I think, looks good as well. But let's get into some dual cameras, dual cameras. We had a movie drop on us at Netflix, you know what I'm saying, last Friday. It was called They Clone Tyrone. Oh, man. Let me tell you. Jamie Foxx, John Boyega, uh, you know, it was a good, it was a good comeback film. Uh, I just felt like it did what it was supposed to do. Um, Netflix has, again, dual cameras, again, has been doing, putting out movies, throwing them at us, you know, and they haven't always been the best. A lot of Kevin Hart movies, a lot of Ryan Reynolds movies, a lot of stuff like that, but they clone Tyrone was a change of pace. I really did like it a lot. Jamie Foxx, the return of Jamie Foxx, uh, prayers out to him and his family. I'm glad to see him doing well. Um, it was a good movie. It had good lessons in it, good comedy. Um, it gave me a Jordan Peele slash um, Spike Lee kind of feel. Black sci-fi, which we don't really see that often. Kind of threw some... Uh, some today stereotypes out there about black people and minorities that makes you think, um, I don't want to give away too much to the movie. You haven't seen it, but I do want you to actually go out there and see it because it's different, man. It's, it's different. They don't let you know really what time period is in. So you're trying to guess, um, they don't tell you exactly where it's in. So they're, you know, you're kind of trying to guess, I don't know if this is purposeful or not, but it's a really good movie. And the concept is really good. Once it starts rolling at first, you're like, Hmm, based on the title, 
when's the stuff gonna get rolling? When's this gonna happen? Um, I'm sorry, I'm so sweaty. I'm shining though, but your boy's listening. But it, once it does get going, it does get going, and you're like, oh shit. And Jamie Foxx puts on one of his best performances ever. Um, again, shouts out Jamie Foxx, and uh, good to see him doing better. John Boyega, of course, him being English and him being a hood guy in this movie. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's always interesting to me to see these British guys come and try to do the California or the American kind of urban kind of accents when they're from, you know, wherever they're from in the UK. But it's interesting to me. I liked it a lot. Um, Again, I think it's one of the better watches from Netflix in a while. Um, I do remember at the beginning of the year, they dropped all these movies on us, all these titles on us that um, we're supposed to be these movies that are supposed to be super good. I know Extraction 2 was pretty good. Um, they're banking on the first one being great. You know what I'm saying? They just kind of ride the wave off the first one. But this was different. And it was a good different. It was really, it was a really good different because I wasn't expecting it. Um, some of the stuff that happened, uh, I wasn't expecting. Some of the stuff had the typical tropes. You know what I mean? And sometimes it is kind of cliche. When some of the stuff they did, some of the stereotypes that they have for black people, I wish they kind of like found new ones. But I guess it wasn't really the point. They're kind of just trying to make you think it was really thought invoking. Um, It's free. I mean, if you have Netflix anyways, you can you don't have to leave your home. Um, It was an easy watch. It wasn't no three hours. I think it was about like maybe hour and a half, two hours. I mean, it was good, man. Um, Again, it wasn't super corny, funny. A, A lot of the stuff that they showed was actually pretty funny. Um, something I see watching again, um, watch it with your family and just, you know, watch it twice just because the first time you're going to be watching and be like, hmm, I didn't expect that to happen. And then the second time you watch it, you're expecting it to happen and maybe you can get the underlying messages that they're trying to show in the movie, uh, movie uh, directed by Joel Taylor, J-U-E-L Taylor. Yeah, so check it out. It's on Netflix now. Really good, man. I, it, it's good to see John, John Boyega out there actually getting uh, some roles and doing his thing. I know he got into a little um, controversy when he's out there speaking out um, for uh, Black Lives Matter uh, when he was talking about he didn't care if he got another Star Wars job again or anything like that. He's going to speak up and do what he is supposed to be doing. And he and he has. And he's been having a uh, a good little streak as of late. And they are calling him back, I think, potentially to do some Star Wars stuff as well. So shout out to John Boyega. Shout out to uh, Jamie Foxx and everybody else. And um, they cloned Tyrone. It was a great movie. And let's get into this last one here. Let's get into this last masterpiece. The Secret Invasion. Well, I don't know if it's The Secret Invasion. But Secret Invasion episode six the finale disney plus marvel's last little show here before we get into some more uh i think uh was it phase five stuff i think we got the marvels coming up next and i think armor wars and stuff like that again we don't know exactly what's going to be coming out for sure because of the writers and actors strike um but we did get this last final episode here of secret invasion man um, the season was kind of cool to me. I wouldn't put it on the top of my shows that I liked that came out for Disney Plus and Marvel. Um, it might be taking the number three or four slot. Uh, but this this finale kind of it was cool, man. I think it was kind of rushed still. I'm still not too happy about all these like one off kind of six episode series, man. I feel like these ep- these series need to be longer than six episodes because, again, the series was good. Um, I did like the whole espionage aspect of it. Um, I did like how Nick 
Fury had to figure stuff out. This is stuff of his doing. Um, and he wanted to do it himself without calling the Avengers in. So we didn't really get any heroes in the show. Um, I did like how they portrayed the scrolls as far as, you know, uh, Nick Fury was supposed to help them find a planet. It was 30 years. They couldn't find no inhabitable planet for the scrolls. And then he got blipped away. So they didn't know what to do for five years. They felt abandoned by Nick Fury. They promised him or they promised the scrolls so much. So we saw the development of graphics. They try to show us his backstory how he was a part of Nick Fury's team, one of the first scroll teams that he sent down to collect DNA from the Avengers to go out and try to find a planet that's inhabitable for the scrolls. Basically a team that went out was, you know, first hands on the ground after the Avengers fights and aliens and stuff to try to collect the DNA for the harvest. Um, which is what Gravix is trying to uh, collect the whole show to kind of try to create a super scroll. I don't know if he was trying to create a army of super scrolls or he just wanted to make himself into the super scroll so he couldn't really be messed with. Um, but ultimately, uh, we saw at the last episode, episode five, that Fury was grabbing stuff from a whole bunch of his, uh, his, well, grabbing some stuff from his grave sites. And he was telling us he had a whole bunch of grave sites all over the place, blah, 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 blah. But specifically at this grave site, he was able to grab the Harvest, who he said, and contain the powers of Captain Marvel and all the Avengers, which Gravix was looking for um, to be able to have that power. But we also saw that Gaia was able to get changed into a Super Scroll as well, which was interesting. Um, but again, in going into this episode, we're seeing the aftermath of Nick Fury saving the president, um, Telos dying, and the reveal of Rhodey being a scroll, but Rhodey is still in with the government and the president really doesn't know that Rhodey is a scroll yet or doesn't really believe Nick yet that Rhodey is a scroll. So we're seeing the fallout of that as well. Um yeah, in this episode, it was kind of just closing up the loose ends, really. Uh, it was just interesting. Uh, the whole situation where Gaia kind of showed up to Gravix, um, you know, majority of the episode, in my eyes, was Nick Fury going to meet Gravix in the radiated area. He told him to bring his iodine pills because it's super radiated over there. Um, and we thought Nick Fury was going to die in that instance because Gravix brought him to this radiated area and he just gave up the harvest to Gravix and he was just going to sit there and die. But once Gravix turned on the machine, I don't know if Gaia knew that he was going to try to turn on the machine with Nick Fury in it. But once he turned on the machine and added the harvest and all the DNA to all those heroes, they both turned into super scrolls because, I mean, obviously uh, only scrolls can adapt those powers and kind of uh, shapeshift and take on the powers. So when that happened, we thought, oh, shit, Nick Fury is about to become a super scroll. But then once you saw her change, it was Gaia and her actually become a super scroll. And the super scroll fight was the highlight of the episode for me. It really was. I was not expecting what happened to actually happen. Um, again, if you read the comics and you're down with what the Super Scrolls really are, you know that pretty much Super Scroll is, has the powers of the Fantastic Four. And we also know that individual scrolls did infiltrate the Avengers and become different Avengers in the Avengers. But I did not expect them to, to get the powers of basically all the Avengers and everybody in all the Avengers movies till now. That's where I was like, okay, now we're doing a little much. You feel me? Um, her and Gravix were fighting Thanos powers, Mantis powers, Ebony Ma powers, the Hulk powers, uh, Abomination powers, 
Captain Marvel powers, who is the most OP person in Marvel right now, anyways. Yeah, that fight was just kind of crazy. Um, me personally, I didn't really want it to happen at this point in the show because I knew one of them was actually going to die. Um, you can't have two people with this much power, both alive in the MCU. So I knew one of them was going to die. But I feel like this should have happened an episode earlier so we can see graphics with these powers a little bit longer. Um, I get it. There was fan service and payoff with the fight. But one, I think too many powers were included. How was the harvest and Nick Fury able to collect all this data from all these people? I get it. They fought all these people and some of these people were on their team. But come on now. Ebony Ma, Thanos, bruh, Mantis, yeah, the Drax arm. It was just a lot. It was a lot. I get it. But it, was, it, may, it may be OP. And for them to have her kill one, kill Gravik so easy, Gaia. And then for her to live, it just made her instantly the the most OP person in Marvel. You know what I mean? Um, We do close the show with Nick Fury going to talk to Vera about, you know, just their relationship and just kind of hinting <laughs> throughout the relationship that Nick Fury kind of knew she was a, was a scroll and she was afraid to show her real self as a scroll thinking that he wouldn't be able to accept her as a scroll and just wanted to see, you know, Priscilla's face. Um, but I mean, I think he knew, I think he just was holding on to the fact that uh, Priscilla gave him that calm and he knew that the, you know, Vera loved him and, I don't know. I feel like their their bond was deeper than what, you know, what they actually knew. Because I know, I think he knew the whole time. He said he, he kind of hinted when he walked out of the house on episode five that he knew. And then, I mean, you can tell she didn't, she was really subconscious about turning into the scroll and to reveal herself as actually being a scroll. So I don't think he, you know, she blatantly ever was a scroll for him to know. So I think, you know, she was actually loved. She was beloved you know, like she always wanted to be. Um, they kissed as, you know, her true form and her and, and Nick Fury actually making out with her for the first time as a scroll, just showing that their love was a little deeper than it really was. And they went with each other back up into the spaceship for the scrolls, I believe. You know what I mean? And, you know, I feel that it was cool. It just kind of ended too fast for me. Like, the, it, you know, graphics was at one point doing hella shit, trying to kill the president, trying to get these bombs detonated and just, you know, start war across the world. And I feel like that was, that was, uh, boiled hella fast. They stopped the, um, the lady Sonya had everything wrapped up before Nick Fury could even do anything. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Gravik's plans were ruined and then Gaia tricked him, killed him. And then, you know, Nick Fury just kind of scrubbed his name and kind of outed Roddy being a roadie, being a scroll in the, you know, in the army. Because ultimately, all that really happened at the end was the president was made aware of the scrolls invading, um, just causing him to panic and just saying, there's scrolls out there. Be careful. There's a war among us. We're at war with these scrolls. And just had all these kind of like people going out and killing random people they think are scrolls or just out here on a manhunt thinking, Anybody can be a scroll just based on it, just kind of inciting a war and just kind of, I don't know, kind of flash to today's uh, government and kind of like was trying to make ties to that. I don't know what they were really trying to do. I don't know if they can really end it like that, but they did. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a season two, but 
now all that really was resolved is again that the world knows that the scrolls exist and the president didn't die and then nick fury went back up into the scroll ship because you know as far as the scrolls go nothing was really solved telos died Gaia got a whole bunch of superpowers. They killed Gravix and stopped, you know, a world war. But they started another war, uh, kind of, because the war between the humans and the scrolls now, not the Russians and the Americans. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like, again, the big payoff was the seeing Gravix and Gaia fight with all the harvest powers. Um, I know Gaia is going to be in the Marvels because I know that's the next uh, next thing that's coming out for the MCU. I know Nick Fury's in the Marvels with Captain America, Miss uh, Marvel, and Photon. So I'm pretty sure, depending on who the villain is, I didn't watch the trailer. I guess there's a new trailer that dropped too. Um, depending on who that villain is, we're going to see if we need to see OP Gaia. I'm sure she's probably going to die soon in one of these shows or she's going to lose the super scroll powers because, again, keeping her around for hella long with those powers is OP. And we already had somebody OP with Captain America. We don't want somebody like Gaia around, even though it's cool. It's like, what's the point of having all these other characters that we've seen so far if Gaia can just do all those things? So hopefully this doesn't last too long with the whole Gaia thing. I like Gaia. You know, Khaleesi is my shit. You know what I'm saying? But... I don't think it needs to last that long uh, because, again, it's a, that's a little too much. And then Marvels, I hope it does get a lot of viewership because um, I don't know, man. They had to make this a, a, a combination movie called The Marvels because Mar uh, Captain Marvel didn't really get too much um, reception um, and they couldn't give her a solo movie for number two, so they combined it all, combined all these movies. So we'll see how it's going to be. Um, again, Secret Invasion probably sits as like my fourth favorite behind Loki, behind WandaVision, behind Moon Knight, and maybe even behind What If. But besides all that, it is pretty good. I like it a little... Uh, I might like Captain America Winter Soldier a little bit better. But again, it was good. Shout out to Samuel Jackson. Shout out to him carrying the series without hella super-powered people in it and it being that spy espionage feel, bringing that back. Um, I'm hoping we see more MCU sooner than later with all the writer strikes and stuff like that. But I am excited to see the next works. I'm excited to see Deadpool, the rated R stuff they have, just so they can change the vibe a little bit. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of these superhero movies have been flopping as of late. So we're going to see um, this this show was supposed to be it to bring us back, but I don't think it really got the reception that MCU, Marvel, Disney Plus expected. I know a lot of people have liked it. I liked it too, but it wasn't taking it to the next level like I feel like we're supposed to be. I'm still kind of confused at what Phase 5 is and who our heroes are, our Avengers are right now. So, yeah, that's it for that. And this is the end of the podcast where I like to let them know where they can find me at. It's your boy, SAC underscore like Dell on the Instagram, Patrick underscore like Dell on the Snapchat. If you're looking for the Best of Bias podcast on Instagram, just type in Best of Bias podcast. When we uh, Best of Bias podcast, yeah. And we right there. Um, everything we're going to be talking about on the podcast, we usually put in the story for um, the podcast. So we can give you guys a little preview. If you guys want to research stuff, watch trailers and stuff and get ready for the pod. Merch is always available. Hats, dad hats, trucker hats, beanies, um, T-shirts, all that stuff for the Best of Bias. If you want to represent 
you know what I'm saying? Go one, go to one of these comic cons, one of these festivals, one of these one of these events, and represent the podcast and show everybody what we got as a pod. You know what I'm saying? Bring them into the family. Um, just hit me up, Instagram, email, YouTube, website. And we got all that stuff for you. Get you some merch um, and support new side, uh, new styles and stuff coming real real soon. But I have to get some uh, some of this merch that I have from the Valentine's Day run and the new run that I have off first. And then we can get that new stuff out to you. I'm telling you, I got some new flavor for you. So I want to be super run up on inventory if nobody's going to be buying it. So, you know what I'm saying? Holla at your boy. Um, come back next Friday. Thank you, new listeners. Old listeners, you already know what to do. Enjoy the fight tomorrow. Um, fantasy football coming up. Enjoy that as well. Baseball in full swing right now. Shout out Shohei Otani out here balling, throwing his uh, – you know, throwing a complete game today and hitting two home runs in the second game. That boy's a baller, one of the best to ever do it. I'm sorry I didn't talk about him much in sports, but shout out to Shohei Otani, where he's going to go next. It'll be a probably big topic that I'll talk about on the podcast. But more guests, probably get uh, AKA on the pod uh, next week so we can talk about the results of the boxing match. Go watch that. Don't forget to watch that. And, yeah, that's it, man. Go, go do you something on this Friday, man. Hug somebody. Uh, enjoy your day. Stay safe. Hydrate. Man, don't be sweating like me. I don't know why this ring light got me sweating all the time. And I'm sorry. I'm glossing for all these pods. But, yeah, stay hydrated. Stay out the sun. Health is wealth. Keep your mental health right. Love somebody. Hug somebody. And go see a movie this weekend. You know what I'm saying? Barbenheimer is out. You know what I'm saying? Go see Oppenheimer, Barbie. Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, something. But it's your boy, Lydell De Niro. Let me get out in front of this hot-ass camera. Enjoy your Friday, and thank you for coming where that theme song at. It's right there. Bang, bang, boom. It's the best, uh, best of bias. You need the earful. You should try us. From pop culture to the movies to unite us. It's the best, uh, best of bias. Uh, your best of bias. Yeah.